This is Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto. Well, in our complex world, there are objective truths and there are personal feelings. And our job tonight and every night is to make sure you don't confuse the two. And as I've said many times before, sports are the greatest reality show invented and you can script everything but the outcome. That's why this time of year is so much fun. On that note, I'm Bernie Friday. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Tonight, we continue with a deep dive into the NFL slate. We'll focus on the three games that caught my eye, largely because of quarterback matchups and situational spots. In about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by a former Major League pitcher and current broadcaster, Larry Sorensen, to talk Major League Baseball playoffs and some college football, too. See, Larry's part of the broadcast team for Wake Forest. Huge overtime victory today at Syracuse. They are 6-0, and they're part of the ACC Power 5 Conference. I hope they run the table. Because if they run the table and the committee does something stupid, I'm going to take a hostage. I'm rooting for Lake for- Wake Forest, and we'll talk to Larry about about the team, and we'll get into the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs as well. After Bruin Finley's update, we'll continue with the NFL wild card, or the NFL card, as it were, and a quick soliloquy on the anatomy of a betting line. It's not what you think it is, the way they put together a betting line. Remember, it's not a predictor. The idea is to create equal action on both sides that's how the book makes their profit they charge a little thing called the vigorish that's the fee you pay to make the bet i learned this the hard way during a super bowl you might get a kick out of my story sports are entertainment but they're more than that they're a shared experience as such people want to talk about them you've come to the right place tonight we've got a lot to talk about this is straight out of vegas the pregame show you always wanted and as they say in kirk cousins minnesota it's going to be lit all right, so this is tomorrow. Well, today, if you're back east, it's 2 a.m. We'll be t- we'll be going all the way to 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. And, my God, we've got NFL kicking off here in London in seven and a half hours. I, I love the London games. I don't care what people say. But here's the thing. This is the f- week five is the final full slate before bye weeks kick in. And there's some significance there, a trend involving the 49ers game, which I'll get to. Uh, a little bit later, but I think this is by far the toughest card of the year. Not in addition to matchups, the lines are sharper, and and there are, are some quirks. Okay, there are some real quirks in these games that causes you to really be cautious. That's my word for Sunday's slate: be cautious. The first game that really caught my eye: the Bears at the Raiders. The Raiders are laying five. The Raiders are banged up, and okay, you got your wish. Justin Fields is the starter now, and I want to talk about Justin Fields. You know I like him. You know I respect him. I think he's got fabulous huddle presence. He's a solid citizen. I'm not sure where he's going to land in the NFL, what kind of career he's going to have, but tomorrow is going to be a real interesting litmus test because two weeks ago everybody wanted to bury Matt Nagy, and I get it for multiple reasons, because it was all his fault he put Justin Fields in an untenable situation. Well, 
Maybe, you know, he was facing a team with a really good defense and he faced all kinds of pressure. Last week, apparently the Bears found out how to call plays, but you know what? Maybe it was just they were going up against the Lions. What does that mean? There was no pressure. They didn't pressure fields. And the Lions have a very bad defense. And one of the things the Bears did last week, they, you know, if you looked at their formations, a lot of max protect, two receiver sets, three-step drops, there was not a lot of needs for Justin Fields to make a read, all right? The one thing he did show is great velocity. He can throw a nice deep ball when his feet are set and he has time, like a seven-on-seven drill. He's got a great arm. Now, against the Raiders tomorrow, I think he's going to face a lot of pressure, and that's one of the reasons I believe that tomorrow is going to be quite an acid test for Justin Fields. Let's take a look at this game, though, because as you know, there's a little bit of turmoil coming out of the Raiders as well. John Gruden's idiotic remarks, even though they were 10 years ago, uh, I, I cannot believe that's not going to be some sort of a distraction. We'll see. But the bottom line is this this line was near a touchdown last Sunday morning, but it dropped a few points after Justin Fields got his first win. And frankly, I don't know that it really should have budged. It probably should have stayed around seven. Fields did make a couple nice throws down the field. He only completed 11 passes, and his most notable play has been, you know, covering his own fumble. Again, Fields made about five really nice-looking plays that only an elite athlete can make. But the other 52 plays, not so much. So the Lions lost by 10, but they also turned the ball over four times inside the Bears. 10, somehow, if you get lucky to beat the Lions at home, that might tell me you're not a very great football team. The Lions play hard, but they can't get out of their own way. Tomorrow, again, if you're in the East, it's today's game, but Sunday's Raiders game here in Las Vegas shapes up to be much more like the ugly Cleveland game from a few weeks ago. The Bears have been miserable on the road. The Raiders have quickly established a big home field advantage, although I'm hearing on StubHub that a ton of Chicago fans are in town. But remember how Chicago's offensive line was terrible with all that Cleveland noise against Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney? Well, Vegas might even be louder, and Ngakwe and Max Crosby in the league. I mean, they are one hell of a one-two pass rush combo. The Bears are going to have a hard time scoring tomorrow, and Derek Carr... They, As I said last week, I do think they're for real. They didn't beat the Chargers, but they run a real modern, aggressive downfield passing attack. And the Raiders at home are going to be a real, they're going to be a real bear. I guess pun intended, they're playing the Bears. Look, I'm not betting the game because I don't want to lay five points with the Raiders right now. I don't trust them. And I sure as hell don't want to grab five points. I really don't know what I'm going to get out of Justin Fields. Why did I gravitate to that game? Just to talk about because Justin Fields has become such a lightning rod. A lot of people thought he should have been starting, and so here you're going to get your chance tomorrow. Like I said, two weeks ago, he faced pressure and struggled. Last week, he faced no pressure, showed some flashes. Tomorrow, he's facing pressure. The second game that really caught my eye, and again, we're back to a quarterback-centric conversation here, because Trey Lance will be making his start, first start for the 49ers, this wasn't known until Thursday. Now, if Jimmy G had been starting this game, I would have bet the 49ers. There's an interesting trend in this game. Since 2013, teams heading into the bye week, and in their final game before heading into the bye week, if they are facing a divisional opponent, they're 38-11 against the spread. Well, that's the 49ers. They fall into that category. So that's a 77% return on your money. But you've really got to hold your nose 
if you bet this game because I haven't seen anything out of Trey Lance that would lead me to believe yet that he's a major league quarterback. Not to say that he can't be. I just haven't seen it yet. This, however, is what you call a classic buy low, sell high game. Arizona's flying high. They're the last undefeated team in the National Football League. And by the way, there was a prop here in Las Vegas prior to the season starting having to do with who would be the last man standing, who would be the last team in the NFL that would be undefeated. And if you selected the Arizona Cardinals, you got them at 50-1. to Good on you. Well, I like the Cardinals. There's a lot to like. I love Kyler Murray. He's the prototypical quarterback of the future. He can run and do a lot of dynamic things. And, oh, by the way, he's excellent from the pocket. But here's what I mean by buy low, sell high. The Arizona Cardinals, undefeated, they look like world beaters. They're laying only five, which is a weird line. So if you fade them, you're kind of selling high, like they can't get any better. This is the best time to go against them. That's the way these things work. you got to be a contrarian. You buy low on the 49ers, all right? Because right now the Niners don't look like a great team, and they're in a tough division, but this is how the NFL works. You have to learn how to expect the unexpected. Very, You know, someone asked me about this game Wednesday, and I said, like with the Broncos game, there's no way I could play until I see the 49ers injury report. Uh, the Niners are, you know, even as of Wednesday, they're like the walking dead. They were at shambles at cornerback and running back and Jimmy G, Trent Williams. And now we find out Jimmy G's not going to start. So if you can name who's starting tomorrow, good luck. There is that trend, but you've really got to hold your nose. I just don't see how the hell you can back the 49ers tomorrow, although there is a trend, uh, as I just mentioned, about teams heading into the bye week. All right, the third game that really caught my eye. The Patriots are now laying nine at the Texans. Well, first of all, when it comes to Mac Jones, I told you, I started telling you last April, and if last Sunday's night, night's game didn't convince you, 19 straight completions in the rain in a highly charged environment versus the defending Super Bowl champs, I'm telling you, this kid can play. I've been saying it all along. I don't want to hear anything about this bullcrap dinking dunk skit, Bayless. That's all he's being allowed to do. Make no mistake. He's got a strong arm. In college, his deep ball completion rate was higher than that of Trevor Lawrence's, 74%. He can throw the ball. He doesn't throw fastballs like Justin Fields. I'll give you that. But neither did Joe Montana. And, yeah, did I just compare him to Montana? Yes, I did. Let's see where this kid goes. I don't know if he's going to win Super Bowls. I do know this. Save for a fumble week one that wasn't his fault and save for a doink field goal that bounced off the crossbar – the New England Patriots are 3-1, and one, and I'll give you a prediction, bold prediction. Look, at, Let's talk in December. I will bet you that the New England Patriots are vying for a wild card. By the way, the Texans are coming off one of the worst performances in recent history, an ugly 40 to nothing shutout loss to the Bills, and they surprised everybody by winning Week 1, playing the Browns competitively in Week 2. But it's been another story altogether with Terod Taylor out and Davis Mills starting. By the way, as you know, Bill Belichick 28-5 and against rookie quarterbacks. I don't know how the Texans score tomorrow. Mills has been, I hate to use the word putrid, but 
it's been something like that. He hasn't exactly had an easy goal of it against Carolina and Buffalo. And here comes New England, so no rest for the wicked. The Patriots rank second in pass defense, DVOA. So once the Texans get behind here, they're in huge trouble. Again, Bill Belichick almost never loses to rookie quarterbacks. He's just simply too smart defensively. He's great coming off a loss. Mills is a loss against ordinary coaches. Tomorrow he gets Belichick. The problem is it's hard to lay nine points on the road in any NFL game. So you're paying a big price tax here, but there's no way you can take the points. Maybe watch, you know, the books are making you really pay a premium to, uh, to, 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 you know, back the Patriots with such a high line. But they're also trying to draw Texans action. Don't be suckered into that. You, you just cannot back the Texans tomorrow. I don't know if they can score 10 points tomorrow, and I do think the Patriots can score 20. Be that as it may, I'm not on the game. But those are the three games that really caught my eye. And between now and 3 a.m., we're going to go over all the games. We have the Fezzik 5 coming up in about an hour, and we're going to go into a deep dive in a lot of this information as the show goes on. But coming up, we're going to be in a gentleman. He was at a hell of a game here today in Syracuse as part of the broadcast team for Wake Forest, the 6-0 Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Talk a little college football, but we're also going to talk some Major League Baseball playoffs as well. He was a 10-year Major Leaguer, 20 years behind the mic with multiple broadcast entities broadcasting Major League Baseball. His name is Larry Sorensen, so you'll want to stick with us. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live. From the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, let's bring in a gentleman who's had a full day today. This is Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Go on the road in an exciting overtime win against Syracuse. Say hello to 10-year Major Leaguer, 25-year broadcaster, Larry Sorensen. Larry, how are you? Chris, do we have Larry? Hello. Larry, how, how are you, Larry? I think we got you now. Yeah, I'm doing great, Bernie. How about yourself? What a day. Good. I was rooting for Wake Forest. Before we get to the Major League Baseball playoffs, of course, I reminded the folks earlier that you are part of the broadcast team for Wake Forest Demon Deacon football. You've been telling me for two or three years the program that Dave Clawson has been building. Now they're 6-0, and and I'm just going to jump right to the chase. I know you've still got NC State, North Carolina, and a road tilt at Clemson, but I am telling you, if you folks run the table, and you can, why not? How does the committee not pick Wake Forest and give them a seat at the table? Well, you know, the fact that Clemson is having a bit of a down year makes everybody think that the entire conference is down, and I'm not sure that that's the case. I think that parity has really hit college football because of the COVID situation. 
in the Wake Forest particular case, we've got one player that's a seventh-year player. We've got nine super seniors that are playing all over the place, five starters on defense. And I think COVID has just thrown everything, uh, turned everything upside down and really leveled the playing field for a lot of schools. And it's been exciting to watch. If you're a sports fan, you've got to be happier than a pig in poo right now because there's a lot of great stuff going on. No, you nailed it. We knew heading into the college football season, but 95 schools that brought back at least 17 starters because of the COVID and the super senior situation. So we'll continue to follow this week to week. You saw what happened today. So I would say you keep winning. You're part of a power five conference. If you're on the table, I don't know, man. I don't know how they leave you up. But we'll see. All right, Larry, let's flip to the Major League Baseball playoffs. Before I dive into the current uh, rounds, uh, there was a lot of talk about people losing their minds if the Dodgers would have lost the wild card round. What are your thoughts? Uh, I don't want to change anything. Do you think it should stay the way it is, or there needs to be some adjustments? Well, obviously, when you've got a team that's won 106 games that it, in one game could be eliminated from the playoffs, it doesn't seem like an ideal situation. It's just trying to come up with a better plan is the biggest problem. You know, how do you how do you improve on it, and where do you go to make it seem any better? Because you you've got it. You look at it at the start of the season when nobody has any wins, and you lay out what your schedule is going to be, and that's just the way that it fell. So not ideal, but you live with the you know you live with the the plan that you the way that you made it, and you just play through it. And it's shaping up to be uh, some great games and some great series right now. Unbelievable that the Giants and the Dodgers are playing each other. That's an awfully exciting time, and there's a lot of good baseball coming up very very shortly here. Real quickly, do you think since they're having a collective bargaining agreement, they've got to negotiate a new one, they could put something in it like if you have the best record and you find and you have a, or you have a better record than any of the division winners, perhaps you go to the front of the line and one of the division winners defaults to the wild card. Could you see something like that maybe? Well, the thing is, is you can go what-if scenarios for days, you know, right, and right, you right. try to cover everything you possibly can. And as soon as you cover one situation, it opens up something else. And, you know, if A, then B, then C, then D, and, and you can just go crazy doing that. So, uh, you know, you do the best that you can, you lay it out, and then you just play through it. You know, it, it reminds me a little bit of the uh, 81 season with the strike season. With the Cardinals, we had the best record in baseball. Right. But because of the strikes – they laid out a plan. We didn't make the playoffs, even though we had the best overall record in baseball. Let's look ahead to tomorrow. There are a couple of great matchups. Uh, this Tampa Bay-Boston, I was one of the few people that thought Boston had a puncher's chance. Nathan Eovaldi, very tough at home. Um, who do you like in this series, and, uh, and what are your thoughts? I like Tampa Bay just because they've got so many arms. I love the way that they do it. You know, they build a really solid program with underrated people because they work so hard looking, scouring the minor leagues, scouring the lower minor leagues, finding guys that they know can do one thing really well and have some particular kind of analytics that fits with the program that they run. So you got to tip your hat to them. Having said that, you know, Boston with him coming back after pitching so well as his first game, tomorrow's going to be a heck of a day for him. And, and uh, you can never look past the Red Sox. Anytime you've got that much talent on a roster, they've always got a shot. I agree with all that. Houston visits Chicago. His Houston club looks very good to me. It seems like their experience uh, should win out in that series, but the Chicago White Sox, they won 93 games this year, so they're not going to go down easy. Who do you like in that series? 
Well, I, I really like the White Sox going into it because I thought they've got such great young players, but I think they're experiencing a little bit of first-time-itis. Yes. You know, the first time getting there, and they just – Look like they're not quite ready for the big stage at this point in time. They actually have a white, they have a Wake Forest kid on their roster, Gavin Sheets, who had 11 home runs in limited time in the big leagues, and so I followed them pretty closely and thought they had a really good chance to do some damage. But they've looked a little bit overwhelmed. You got to like Houston. I, I agree, Larry. Your former club, the Milwaukee Brewers. I thought before Devin Williams punched the wall, they were my favorite to win it all. They visited Atlanta. I still like them. What are your thoughts in that series? Well, I'll tell you what, I've had some nights like he's had, not necessarily celebrating what he was celebrating, but never entered my mind to punch a wall with my pitching hand, regardless of the situation. That's just an unbelievable thing. I think Milwaukee's got great pitching, and anytime a club has uh, terrific pitching like they do, I love what Burns does. I think that they're very solid, and I like Milwaukee. You know, I think Milwaukee is really good. They won 50 games on the road. and uh, 50. Look, I would just say this. They seem like the most complete team to me, right? With their starting pitching, the way their bullpen sets up, they can beat you with small ball, they can beat you with power. I, is there a more complete team in this tournament than Milwaukee? Milwaukee can beat you a lot of different ways. They do a lot of things. They also play for a guy that's just tremendous. I love Craig Council. His daddy was selling tickets in the front office when I played for the Brewers, and he was running around, uh, you know, and, and have had a lot of respect for the family and for the job that he's done. He just seems like a guy that you would really love to play for, and I think that family atmosphere is something that the Brewers really have going, and that can take you a long way, that emotion. I agree with you about Craig Council, former Notre Dame guy. He's just a grinder. He's just well, a grinder. Well, we won't hold that against him, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> being a Michigan guy back in the That's day, right. That's you know, when right. When you grow up in Detroit and Ann Arbor, it, it's hard to root for Notre Dame. Trust me. I know. I spent enough time there. Uh, all right. The Giants-Dodgers, which is just an epic matchup. The Dodgers get their road win today. Break down that series for me because no one expected the Giants to do this, but when you watch them day in and day out, they just do all the little things right. Yeah, well, again, a, a team that can beat you in so many different ways, and, and they execute. They're used to uh, playing under pressure, and I, they're my pick to go all the way. They're my pick to win it. But, uh, you know, really going out on that limb with a team that won 107 games, saying they're, they're the best team in baseball. I just like the way that they're constructed. They can do so many different things and keep coming after. They're relentless. I think that they built a solid organization for a long time and uh, it have instilled that winning attitude from the minor leagues on up. And I'm a big believer in, in getting the winning attitude at the lower levels of the minor leagues, and I think that's something the Giants have done a good job of. Absolutely. They've done a really nice job assembling that team. All right, so we jumped ahead. You've got the Giants winning it. Who do you expect them to face? Who will be the American League entrant? I, I like the Rays. I just think that the Rays uh, have so many arms, and they find different heroes in their pitching staff, which is which is something that you can't overlook. I, I believe that uh, they've got great depth on their staff, and that's my pick out of the American League. Sounds good. Now, one other thing, Larry, um, the collective bargaining agreement still has to be, you know, adjudicated for lack of a better better term. Um, how, do you think they're going to be able to get through this without a work stoppage? I do, you know, and I was in, in uh, the Players Association 
a, a month and a half or so ago, and it was a big topic of discussion, uh, along with some other business that we had going on. And, and there just seemed to be a feeling of calmness about it. You know, I, it didn't seem like it didn't seem like there was panic in the office in New York about it. And everybody seemed to feel pretty good about the situation. We know that there will be give and take. It's going to be nasty. There will be a lot of name calling. But bottom line is they'll realize that the sport has to keep going out there. We're in such unsettled times right now because of what's happened the last year and a half or two years that I, I think they feel like they need stability in the sport without upsetting the apple cart any more than it has been. No, I agree with all that. They've got a nice role. Good stuff. Again, congratulations to your Demon Deacons. I'm rooting for them and keep it rolling. And I, I think if we get to the point where they head into the ACC championship game undefeated, we got to have you back on. Oh, anytime, Bernie. Glad to do it. Uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun for the first part of this season, and it's going to be a lot of fun the next few weeks watching these baseball playoffs as well. Yeah, I remember you saying Dave Clawson was changing this culture two or three years ago. Now you really see it on the field. Yeah, with the smallest team in the Power Five conference, uh, the smallest university, he's done a great job, and it's, it's a very balanced team. Uh, defense and offense, very evenly split. Sounds good, buddy. Good luck, and uh, appreciate you staying up late again tonight. Hey, it was a good flight back from Syracuse. I'll tell you what, a lot of fun on a charter flight with college football players that are getting TV games on the back of the seat plane in front of them, listening to everybody yelling, hoot and holler about different games. It was a really nice flight back. Absolutely good stuff. All right, thanks again, Larry. All right, Bernie, take care. That is Larry Sorensen, 10-year major leaguer, part of the broadcast team for Wake Forest football and spent many years behind the mic covering Major League Baseball as well. Coming up... If you like to bet, well, I want to talk about how a line is constructed and how I learned the hard way. I'm going to share some things with you might not have known. But first, let's go to the man. I once asked him, what's it really like being an update anchor at Fox Sports Radio? And he said, it's a death trap. It's a suicide rap. Get out while you're young, because tramps like us, baby, we were born to run. Screw and Finley with the latest. Bernie, I, I never, how dare you? I, I'm the youngest, I think, update anchor here, and I'm just grateful to be in this door because it took me years to do so. Meanwhile, as Hashtag we, sarcasm. Has, I'm just kidding. No, I know, I know. No, I'm, I'm absolutely. So let's get into the action. What took place on this busy sports Saturday? Tyson Fury retains the WBC heavyweight title after he upstages Deontay Wilder TKO fashion in the 11th round. So that was happening in Vegas where Bernie is but college football certainly at the epicenter number one Alabama vulnerable beatable yes Texas A&M coming through 41 to 38 as the Aggies socked a game-winning last second field goal off the foot of Seth Small from 28 yards out to stun and humble the Crimson Tide. Number nine, Michigan also winning thanks to a last-minute field goal, putting away Nebraska 32-29. to How about Mark Stoops and number 16, Kentucky? They continue to rise the ranks in the SEC after putting aside LSU 42-21, to and the Wildcats are out to 6-0 for the first time since 1950. Third-ranked Iowa bombards number four Penn State 23-20 as the Hawkeyes overcame a two-touchdown deficit. Boise State, yeah, they win against number 10 BYU 26-17, while number two Georgia 
picking apart 18th ranked Auburn 34 to 10. The Bulldogs are also 6-0. C.J. Stroud, five touchdown passes to guide number seven Ohio State to an emphatic victory over Maryland 66-17. Earlier in the day on Saturday, number 17 Ole Miss winning a thriller over 13th ranked Arkansas 52-51 after the Hogs scored that late touchdown. They went for two but they couldn't convert. And then there was the other instant classic with number five Oklahoma winning in comeback fashion against Texas 55 to 48. And finally, we did have a couple noteworthy baseball games, divisional round action, including the Dodgers as they even their series with the Giants at one after LA fillets San Fran nine to two and Dodger pitcher Julio Urias, five innings pitched. He had a masterful performance, one earned run, five strikeouts, and then the earlier game the Braves victorious over the Brewers three to zip so that matchup is all square at one as we get back to one of the best matchups in sports radio history it is our guy holding things down in Vegas it's Bernie Fratto ah yes the dulcet (laughs) tones of the silver tongue devil Bruin Finley also the president of the fastest growing fan club in the universe. That would be the Fenley Fanatics. My man. Hashtag, hashtag Fenley Fanatics. I appreciate right, thank you. you. Thanks, Brian. Of course, you'll be with us all the way till 3 a.m. this morning and even beyond. All right. You hear all the time, I can't believe they're only laying one and a half. What are the, what is, Vegas says they're nine points better. And you see this all the time when a line doesn't make sense. And I will tell you, there is an anatomy of a betting line and it's not a predictor and there's a lot of science that goes into it and i want to tell you how i learned the hard way but let me dive into this because it happened in the super bowl and in my life uh, i've been fortunate to attend three super bowls in fact back in 2006 i actually covered super bowl 50 in detroit between pittsburgh and seattle for 971 uh, fm wkrk cbs sports talk radio and i had full access to all the events parties whole enchilada uh, no name dropping, but I even talked to Vince Vaughn. All right, I digress. That was not my most memorable Super Bowl experience, so see, not by a long shot. Because I grew up in Southern California, and I was a huge L.A. Rams fan. And I even got to know quarterback, here's another name drop, Vince Ferragamo, a little bit. Great guy. What a gentleman. I think he's selling real estate now. But the 1979 Rams, they managed to finagre the way into Super Bowl fourteen after starting out the season with a 4-5 and five record. They were my team, man. Now, the Super Bowl happened to be played in the Rose Bowl that season, January 14, 1980. It was marked by a certain distinction because the Rose Bowl, only 14 miles from the Rams' home field, which at the time was the L.A. Coliseum. That seems more noteworthy now since Super Bowl last year was played in the home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that had never happened before, and Tampa Bay actually got there and won. But this is where the story begins. See, because a week before the game itself started, the Los Angeles Times uh, published what I consider to be a very noticeable element pertaining to the contest. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who would be the Rams' opponent, had been installed as an 11.5-point favorite in the game. I was shocked, and actually I was kind of pissed off. How could my beloved Rams be disrespected in such fashion? What's interesting is my good buddy Craig Aversho happened to be a huge Steelers fan. So we proceeded to make a $50 bet, and he was all too happy to lay the wood, which means I got my Rams. I thought they'd win outright. I had no clue what I was doing. 
and 11 and a half points. I couldn't grab the points fast enough. So for the record, though, neither of us knew what we were doing. I could still talk and write sports back then, but true handicapping was completely foreign to both of us. However, I became very curious as how Vegas could make such a bold prediction that the Steelers would win by 11 and a half. Again, that was my thought then. No clue what I was doing. I literally got to the Rose Bowl six hours before the game to soak it all in. And I was very confident. So as my Rams took a 13-10 to 10 lead at the half, I started to become a little cocky. And when the fourth quarter began, the Rams were still on top, 19-17. to 17. I was getting 11 and a half points. I started to count my money. Again, I was clueless. How many times do I need to tell you? Then Terry Bradshaw, Rocky Blyer, Lynn Swan, and the Pittsburgh Steelers they managed to post two fourth quarter touchdowns and they end up defeating the Rams 31 to 19. I was almost in a catatonic state. Remember, I was getting 11 and a half points and I lost by 12. I won't mention that Rams kicker Frank Corral, a, USC, a UCLA guy, missed an extra point or I would have got my cover. But I was shocked that they lost and it was so around the number. Now, for the record, again, the Steelers not only won, they managed to cover that large spread because Rams kicker Frank Corral had missed an extra point. Imagine that. But be that as it may, I was still left shaking my head as to how bookmakers seem to be so prescient in setting the line at 11.5 points. So I really started to begin my course of study at that point, and I landed upon a truism that even today some folks still don't seem to comprehend. The betting line is not a predictor. It's merely an instrument to create equal action on both sides so you can maximize the book's profit while minimizing the risk. Again, that little thing called a vigorish is simply the fee a better pays for the right to invite the bookmaker to record and accept your bet. That's why my teeth itch every time I see an uninformed sportscaster bellow out, Vegas has predicted the Chiefs by three. No, first, Vegas is not a monolith. Lines vary from shop to shop, plus Vegas doesn't predict anything. Their goal is to create an equal betting market based on a lot of sophisticated mathematical tables, metrics including yards per play, yards allowed, passing stats, running stats, efficiency on first, second, third down, all sorts of things. Furthermore, the data by which they draw from that's been amassed over several decades is incredible. It's phenomenal. On Super Bowl Sunday, last February 7th, over $140 million were wagered legally in Las Vegas, with likely another $5 billion across the country in non-regulated markets and certainly now some regulated markets with the advent of legalized betting. But when they read the history books, the $50 loss I experienced in January 1980 provided the impetus for what would become, for me, a million-dollar education because, for me, the world of sports betting is not only fabulous, but it's intoxicating, and you know it. And I'm still waiting for the missed extra point to get me a cover so I could begin to make up for the missed extra point that I lost on. That is something I bet you can all relate to out there. Coming up, bring you back out to Vegas and we'll talk about some things that happened here tonight and a little college football, boxing, and I'm going to give you a quick preview on the three games the pros bet early in the week but why I think this card is so tough and why all three of those games actually have a little bit of hair on them, if you get my drift. Discovery matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report 
limitations apply. I'm Bernie Friday. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And before I go any further tonight, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. That would be, of course, Bruin Finley on the updates, Chris Perfett, and Bull Benson. Thanks so much, guys. Could not do this show without your efforts couple things uh tyson fury looked very impressive tonight he knocked out deontay wilder in the 11th round if you had fury 75 percent of the bets on fury he was minus 280 which gave him a 74 percent chance to win a couple of the popular bets over eight and a half rounds plus 110 but under minus 150 a lot of folks thought he might knock out wilder beforehand but be that as it may uh it was a hell of a fight between two tremendous warriors and Tyson Fury to me looks just about unbeatable. Uh, but you know, there was only one Rocky Marciano, right? Well, Floyd Mayweather too, unless he comes back out of retirement. A uh, couple of other things, incredible day in college football. We still have 13 un, uh, undefeated teams, but BYU was undefeated. They lose to Boise state. That opens the door even more wide open for Cincinnati, who I think continues to be incredibly impressive. They run the table. They absolutely need to get a seat at the table. Now, later on in the show, I'm going to talk about what some folks projected what a 12-team playoff would look like after week one. And you might laugh out loud at some of the projections, which is exactly why we need a playoff. Let the thing be decided on the field. Bama goes down today as a, a the, the line closed at 19. It opened at 16, closed at 19. I was at the South Point. A ton of people were on Bama. 91% of the tickets were on Alabama. If you had Texas A&M on the money line, a reprisal of the Johnny Manziel game back in 2012, $100 brought you back $650. By the way, there's only one team in the NFL that's undefeated remaining, the Arizona Cardinals. And if you participated in the preseason prop, predicting that the Arizona Cardinals would be the last man standing undefeated team in the NFL this year, well, you would collect 50 to 1, which means $100 would bring you back a cool $5,000. Uh, congratulations, Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. They improved to a perfect 6-0 with their victory over Nebraska. They have yet to play a ranked team. I want to see what they do when they go to Penn State. I want to see what they do when they go to Michigan State. And I certainly want to see what they do when they play Ohio State. But be that as it may, they've done everything they've been asked to do to this point. All right. Three games the pros fired on early in the week. Uh, remember, this is the final full slate before bye weeks kick in. Some quick hitters here. Week five, which is upon us. Uh, I think this is the toughest card of the year. Uh, it's 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 not it's it's not for the faint of heart. There are some really tough games, but be that as it may, early in the week the the, the pros fired on the Bills plus three. They're now two and a half. You always want to get the best of the number. You want three instead of two and a half. Because of all the football games, the most likely line and spread to land on is three. More football games land on three than any other number. So if you only got two and a half points and you bet the dog, then that wouldn't do you much good. But the Bills, 
They bring a number one defense into Kansas City. They're only allowing 11 points per game, 217 yards per game. We all know that Kansas City's defense ranks 30th in yards allowed. And the Bills shook off all the rust from a slow start against that oddball game against Pittsburgh. The Chiefs stopped their two-game losing spread, skid against the Eagles last week, but still surrendered 30 points in that game. But, and you look at this team, they're allowing 31 points per game on the season. Meanwhile, the Bills, they've been excellent on offense in recent weeks. They're scoring an average of 39 points per game during that span, and that includes two shutout wins over the Dolphins, 35 to nothing, and the Texans, 40 to nothing. Tomorrow they get to face Patrick Mahomes. You better be careful with this game. I haven't fired on it yet. All right. I don't know if they keep it up against Patrick Mahomes, but they at least have the personnel needed to make stops on defense. They're averaging almost two and a half punts for every offensive score they allow. That's a pretty good. That ranks first in the NFL. The Chiefs rank last in that category. So if the Bills make them punt a lot, it, it could be the Bills' night. Uh, the Chiefs are also not great on third uh, on third down and uh, defense is what I'm getting at. They're ranked 22nd in the league, so if they can't get the Bills off the field, then Buffalo has a chance to steal a victory. I think it's very uh, tough to play an Arrowhead. Tough game. If I get two and a half tomorrow before kickoff, I'll probably make a small bet on the Chiefs, but i got to hold my nose. The Patriots are laying a bundle, nine against the Texans. We know Belichick is 28-5 and against rookie quarterbacks. The pros, they've laid the wood anyway, but now it's a little scary. Why? Patriots got four offensive linemen out, but the Texans are facing a Patriots defense that has allowed the fourth fewest passing yards. I don't know what Davis Mills is going to do tomorrow. I really don't know how they're going to score. The third game that the pros fired on earlier in the week, the Broncos were getting a point and a half against the Steelers. They're now laying a point and a half. Denver brings a fourth-ranked defense in the NFL. Pittsburgh's lost three straight. Denver 6-1 versus Pitt in their last seven. Steelers 0-5 as favorites in their last five. Those are three quick games. We're going to be with you till 3 a.m. We've got the Fezzik 5 coming up at 12.20. And uh, we've got a ton of NFL stuff tonight, among other things. And we're going to get to all of it. I'm Bernie Fratto. Keep it locked right here. We are going to be starting up with Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! 